Hi everyone, this is Locked On Indians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis of 24-7 Sports. Uh, I've been having some recording issues this evening, so hopefully those will not continue and this one will go off without a hitch. But uh, hey, I've gotten to uh, to get some practice run-throughs because of uh, the glitching. So, for today's show, um, again, I am on the road. Today is the last of the road shows. Uh, we're three weeks in. I want to thank everyone who is telling a friend, rating, reviewing, subscribing. All of that helps. Uh, I greatly appreciate all of it. So, today's show. No Indians today. So, we're going to look at, through the first 18 games, where they stack up against other teams in terms of batting and pitching. And then I thought we'd take a look at Lake, Cap- Lake County. Uh, spoiler alert, Will Benson had, a, had an evening. If if you didn't know, you you certainly will. Uh, it's one of those nights that uh, no one will soon forget. So there's a uh, there's two ways to go about it. I figure we'll start with the bad, the the batting statistics, and before we move on to uh, the good of the pitching statistics, the uh, I will say just in terms of base statistics, it is interesting to see Carlos Santana third in the American League in batting average. Not what I expected. Uh, former Indian Jay Bruce, number two in home runs, and former Indian Astrubal Cabrera tied for fourth in home runs. All of this should let you know it is really early on, and so much can change. So, Cleveland Indians batting statistics. They, their best statistic is runs. They're 24th in runs. They have 63 runs this year. Give you an idea, Seattle, who they just swept, has 132 runs in three more games. But they have more than doubled up the, the Indians' run total. That 24, as I said, is their high wider mark in terms of batting statistics. And it makes one wonder as you go through the rest of these, have they been lucky? Uh, you might not love what you've seen, but it's they are putting everything together to knock in runs at a, a better rate than they have any right to do. Interestingly enough, uh, right ahead of them is San Diego, who made a splash with Manny Machado. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of Indians fans mad about the offseason for obvious reasons, um, but whenever someone gets mad about them not signing a big-name free agent, it never seems to pay off quite as much as everyone expects it to. Okay, so that's runs. Like I said, it's just going to get worse from here. We'll click on hits. And uh, the Indians are second from the left bottom. Cincinnati is the only team that's worse. They have 114 hits. Uh, Cincinnati has 108 in one last game. Detroit has 115 in one last game. And Seattle has 195 to pace everyone. Something you're going to notice, both hitting and pitching, uh... The Indians and the Tigers are very similar statistically this year. So continuing on amongst the kind of just the categories I tend to cut through and look at. Home runs. <laughs> Seattle has 42 home runs in 21 games. Yes, they're averaging two home runs a game. The Dodgers are second. You're going to notice Seattle... Uh, then come the Dodgers, and then Oakland, I believe, in our three top teams in terms of offensive production. Cleveland is tied for Pit- with Pittsburgh for the second lowest home run total. Pittsburgh has played two less games. 
Colorado has just one more home run, which is a kind of a, another surprising factor. You never expect to see the Rockies in the bottom five in home runs. And Detroit is positively anemic. Uh, the 42 by Seattle. Detroit has seven. Chris Davis of Oakland has more home runs than all of the Tigers. Total bases. This is kind of a good way to see you know, the amount of extra base hits a team is hitting. Uh, again, Seattle, unsurprisingly, killing everyone else. 371, that's significantly ahead of even the Dodgers at 2. Cleveland has 181. Detroit's at 176. Now Detroit has played in one less game where they would likely pass Cleveland. Detroit has almost half as many home runs as Cleveland. So uh, Detroit is uh, been a haven for doubles, but again, you should not expect to see... I mean, uh, the Los Angeles Angels in the same number of games are 28th, and they have 200 total bases. So Cleveland is significantly behind even the third worst team. So you skip to average. No, I skip to average. 277 by the Dodgers paces everyone. Cleveland's at 201. It's not the worst. Cincinnati is at 200. Bit of a surprise as the Reds have so many name hitters. But uh, Cincinnati is in many ways kind of the if you're going to make a, a triumvirate it's a, or a three-team comparison it would be the Reds, the Tigers, and the Indians, as their pitching staffs have all been similarly productive and their uh, hitting has been similarly productive. Uh, for the Reds, I don't think anyone expected that. If anything, you expect the opposite. Atlanta and the Dodgers are tied with a 365 on base percentage. This is Cleveland's second-best statistic, the 25th at 286. So below them, uh, Detroit, Miami, Cincinnati, San Francisco... And in dead last, Colorado. Again, not what one expected. If you haven't been paying attention to to hear Colorado all the way down there, that's certainly a surprise. And in slugging percentage, the Dodgers have a 509. Seattle's got a 502. The Cleveland Indians are second worst at a 319. And I'm sure you could guess that it was the Tigers who have the worst slugging percentage in baseball. So, offensively, again, when you look at just the runs they produce, I think you can make a case for them overachieving, for them uh, kind of being lucky that uh, when they have made contact and they have gotten on base that they're able to get everything to, together. They're not stranding as many runners as uh, they probably should be. Uh, speaking of failures to launch or failures to get started, our sponsor, as always, is bluechew.com. It's the chewable little blue pill. You can get discreetly mailed to your home. We have that promo code MLB. Go there and honor that. You can do a free trial. You just have to pay the five bucks for shipping and fill out a quick survey. Bluechew.com, promo code MLB. So, pitching. This is an interesting one. Tampa is 14-4 this year. I could dive into it. Uh, they've been unbelievable. Uh, Tyler Glasnow has all of a sudden figured out how to throw pitches. He's, his control uh, has been masterful after this was a guy who just could not figure it out. Uh, Austin Meadows is hitting like the player everyone thought. I mean, he's, he's been hitting like Mike Trout. He's been hitting better than we ever thought 
there's no way he'll keep up the current pace he's doing, but, I mean, Tommy Pham is arguably the second worst hitter on the lineup this year in terms of production. Uh, it's, it's unbelievable, whereas in Cleveland, Pham would be no worse than the third best, or, yeah, he'd be at least the third best hitter in Cleveland right now. Uh, Yandy Diaz's performance has been unbelievable. It, it just makes me upset, because here's a guy who, he was here, he was ready, and uh, whenever he got called up, he just wasn't, I remember when uh, he started the season in Cleveland, and Tito was disparaging his defense, and it's a year after he was voted the best uh, defensive third baseman by the the managers of the Eastern League, and uh, got accolades in AAA for his defense, when I saw him, he made, you know, I thought he was going to be an, at least an average defender at third. And uh, Tito craps on his defense, doesn't really give him an extended look or an opportunity. When he does get an extended look last year, he was good. He was an above-average bat. Um, we'll see what Bowers can do. But it, you know, they would have had to have played uh, Yandy this year just because they wouldn't have had any other options because they have been uh, the depth has been such an issue. But. Uh, I was happy when they made the deal because we knew Bowers would play, and it felt like I never knew if Diaz was going to be given an opportunity. And he is, and he's been phenomenal. So that's uh, a quick aside. Getting back into it. So when we look at the pitching performances, Tampa at a 2.33 ERA is just unbelievable. <clears throat> there is a set group of uh, five teams that we're going to mention a bunch. Tampa... Pittsburgh, Detroit, Cleveland, Houston. <coughs> it's a little bit surprising to see Houston on the list after they had multiple starters they lost. Um, they've been able to successfully just kind of reload, as it were, and perform really well. Uh, San Francisco is also ahead of Cleveland at this point, who is sixth in ERA. We jump across to quality starts. This is where uh, Houston really stands out. 18 games, 13 quality starts. Cleveland is currently 5th with 10. Uh, when you look at the ERA and the quality starts, and you think about the two bad Carrasco starts, the one bad Kluber start, those three starts are one-sixth of their season. So uh, they're doing well in spite of three starts that can really have thrown everything off statistically for them. Earned runs. This will, of course, tell us that uh, Baltimore has given up the most runs, followed by Boston and then Milwaukee. But in terms of avoiding giving up runs, it goes Tampa, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Houston, Cleveland. Kind of five teams I've mentioned. Those are the teams that uh, you know, the pitching staffs are doing the best job, as it were. Going over to who's giving up the fewest walks. This is one area where Cleveland's a little bit lower. If you're wondering who's walking the most batters, it's Atlanta. And in my mind, it's the Sean Newcomb is like half responsible for that. They have a lot of young arms, though, and a lot of guys who have had some control issues at points, so that's not a huge shock to me. Houston 1, Tampa 2, Pittsburgh 3, 4, San Francisco, 5, the Dodgers, 6, the Padres, 7, the Tigers, 8, the Nationals. You might be a little surprised I haven't mentioned the Nationals yet when you look at uh, Scherzer and spending the money on Corbin, but uh, nope, they're... Uh, they're actually struggling as a team in terms of their pitching so far this year. And Cleveland is ninth. So they are walking, guys. That is the one area that uh, 
probably has hurt them the most. Strikeouts. They are one behind Tampa in the same number of games. So they're right up there with Tampa. And Tampa, you know, features Snell and Glasgow, who are just putting up unbelievable strikeout rate. And the last category, batting average against. Cleveland is second at a 217. Tampa is 199. This one's a little interesting because you have teams like Toronto and the Mets, and even Milwaukee appearing. And when you look at Milwaukee and the Mets, oh, I'm sorry, no, that's still strikeouts. I did not click over. So uh, Toronto, the Mets, and Milwaukee are in strikeouts. Uh, but uh, the Mets and Milwaukee have actually had uh, two of the worst uh, staffs in terms of runs given up. So Cleveland is actually fifth in batting average against. Uh, Houston and Tampa are tied at under 200. Pittsburgh is at 200. Then Detroit at 213. And Cleveland at 217. So, you know, the Indian staff is is, uh, I guess, needing to be stated. Anyone who's watching can see that their staff has been 100% their strength this year. Um, and it's basically their staff, and then Carlos Santana is what's carrying them to this first place record. Detroit is so close to them. It's really interesting to see just how much those two teams mirror each other, and it just seems to come down to, I mean, Cleveland has more home run power. Detroit has more doubles pop. The slugging percentages aren't hugely separated, so, yeah, when you, the, when the Indians went in there and swept Detroit, it, uh, that's, I mean, it seems silly to say that's the separator, if you took it out, because that's, you know, again, don't take that out, but that series, uh, really could have gone either way, and, uh, with Cleveland having swept them, it, their play has just been so inconsistent, when you look at sweeping Detroit, and you can go through the numbers and see it's kind of a mirror image of Cleveland, getting swept by Kansas City, who's been arguably the worst team in baseball this year, and then going and sweeping Seattle, who's been an offensive juggernaut all year. Uh, it's just odd. I don't know how you predict your judging, but it has been odd. So, Lake County. First, let's talk about the night that uh, Will Benson has had. Will Benson went 4-5 for five tonight with four home runs. He had two home runs entering the game. He's up to six. He was batting uh, 282 entering the game. He is now batting 341. Benson is repeating the level. He, Von Nolan Jones, got the bump up, but they had Benson stay back. He's 21 years old, so he's right about the league average age. He's always been a high-ceiling prospect. His swing was a disaster on draft day, and it's been kind of a disaster ever since. And we'll see what happens, but tonight is a night where Will Benson showed you why the Indians spent a high pick on him, why a lot of people were high on him. The power is, you know, a plus tool. He's just got to make enough contact to use it. Uh, a great kid, 80-grade work ethic, you know, 80-grade person. If anyone's going to get everything figured out, it's you bet on a Will Benson. So, uh, there are a lot of famous names down here, if you've been uh, following draft picks and such. There are some guys who have struggled. Jesse uh, Berardi, Ulysses Cantu stand out as two guys who may not belong to the means organization. Uh, the three 19-year-olds down there, Marco Gonzalez, who's a high-priced 
uh, Latin signing, Quentin Holmes, the former second-round pick, and Ben Miller, the first-round pick from last year, are all struggling mightily. I probably am most concerned with Holmes of that group, but they're all young kids, so, I mean, eh, we'll see. Uh, kind of in the next grouping of, of names, it's Luis Avedo, who, after being dominant in Mahoning Valley, I mean, he's playing against a lot of the same guys he played against down there. I mean, he's struggled in his three starts. You know, he he missed a lot of bats and didn't walk anyone. I'm sure he's not missing bats and he's walking players. So that's been a bit disappointing. Shane McCarthy was a polished college player. He's 22. He's older than most of the league. Dominating as one would expect of a polished college starter. Jose Fermin's one of those guys. He's just 20 years old. He's consistently produced in low minors because um, that's what I look at. I'm looking at production often with the players, and he's one of those guys. Every time I work on my Indians top thirty, he moves up a little bit. Uh, so there's just a few more guys. Brady Aiken appeared in two games, gave up three runs in uh, two thirds of an inning. He walked six guys. He's pretty much a non-factor right now. He looks to be probably a non-factor for the rest of his career, sadly. And one more pitcher I have to mention, Raymond Burgos, uh, outside of the guys in the Ricky League, he has as much helium uh, potential of any player in A-ball right now, I would say, and with the low A, who is an d- early day three pick out of Puerto Rico, rail thin, still pretty thin, could add some weight. Left-hander, big left-hander, though, uh, had an arm injury. Glowing reports on him as just like work ethic and a sponge. He's been performing really well. As he starts to fill out more, there's always a chance that his velocity would peak up. Just, you know, if I'm gonna kind of hip you to someone in A ball this year, Raymond Burgos. So there's, I already talked about Will Benson. Unbelievable night. Uh, he's, you know, but even before that, he. Looking at a guy who's hitting 282, a non-55 OPS, two home runs, seven walks in 11 games. That's a nice step forward for him. So that's more than just one big performance. But the highest-rated prospect I had on this team is Tyler Freeman, who's also just 20 years old. Uh, coming into the game, he was hitting 317. He didn't have a, a great game tonight, so he's down to 289. He is... You know, he's kind of the stereotypical gritty white middle infielder. Uh, um, when he was drafted, he didn't have the tools to stick it short. They're still letting him play it short, and I was thinking of the second. He could be a Kipnis-like player down the road. Uh, just seems to continually get the most out of his ability, and his uh, his hitting production in the lower minors has been fantastic. Uh, I think he's one of the top five prospects in the organization, and he certainly is a player to watch. Benson certainly has the highest ceiling amongst these hitters, but the most likely future major league player is Tyler Freeman. Well, we went a bit long, as Pete has become the MO for this podcast. I want to thank everyone for bearing with me through my travels this week. Uh, I also want to thank everyone who's rate, reviewed, subscribed, told a friend, uh, said something nice. That is all huge. And I really do appreciate it. Thank you. And as always, go Tribe.